Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Sportive AF with Audrey Freeman. Today, guys, we had on Matthew Ball. He is so incredible, and I could say that a thousand more times. I really, really hope you guys enjoy this podcast episode. He is such an amazing person, inside and out, and has so, so much advice to give to you all. Let's get into it, guys. Don't forget to be following Sportive AF on Instagram and Matthew Ball on Instagram. I've attached all of the links down below in the notes. Without further ado, guys, let's get started. Okay, guys, I am here with Matthew Ball, principal dancer at the Royal Ballet Company, featured in many documentaries and short films, as well as recent BBC documentary, Men at the Bar. It does not stop here, as Matt also stars in Matthew Bond's world-renowned Swan Lake as the lead swan. Matthew, I am so lucky to have you on here, and thank you. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Very good. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for inviting me oh no problem thank you so much and i saw on your instagram yesterday was your one and only show but how did it go yeah it went okay thank you i mean it was a um, bit of a last minute change i was expecting to be performing uh because uh, for the first time it was a debut uh, just the grand part of the um, with my partner and girlfriend um, in a couple of weeks' time. And unfortunately, just because of new restrictions coming into place in a second lockdown in the UK, um, they tried, we had we had only one show to kind of uh, do in front of a live audience before these uh, restrictions came into place. So they managed to kind of shove a few extra things into the gala. Um, and, you know, we've been working quite hard on the Padida, so it was good to to get it um, out there and perform it once, even though it was a little bit last minute and it, um, it went well, it was quite exciting. But, uh, you know, we're not, we're not used to being on stage these days, so it kind of all feels a bit of a mad blur, but it was definitely very enjoyable. It's quite lucky that you did get to perform, I guess, just in, just in the nick of time. And how do you feel about going, I guess, back into that kind of lockdown, but not really? Um, how do you think you'll, you'll cope? Um, well, I mean, like, it's very uh, unclear, I would say, exactly how, th- um, how it's going to work and how long it's going to last, which is one of the hardest aspects of it. Um, luckily, we're kind of working in a COVID-secure environment. We're being tested twice a week. So as in terms of, like, for the dancers, we can still be coming into work to rehearse and take class and stay fit. And obviously, that's... Um, something which is part of our kind of daily ritual and stuff, which really gives us a sense of, um, you know, purpose, really, um, and, some, and uh, at least a sense that we're working towards something. We'll be preparing the Nutcracker for hopefully a kind of uh, a, an abridged version of it for the Christmas season, where hopefully the theatres will be opening again. Um, but as I say, like, things are just subject to change at the minute, but it, um, it's great to have the... That this fantastic building still to come to work and you know give us a sense of a as I said a sense of purpose and something to work towards again. Yes, definitely. Like I think the uncertainty is the hardest part about it, not knowing exactly when and if it will still go on. And 
I can totally imagine that. And how do you deal with kind of, I guess, the lack of motivation um, and seeking inspiration in a time where, you know, you live to perform and how do you deal with that kind of, that adrenaline rush of usually performing and, you know, working in the studio? Yeah, it's been a big change. And I mean, everything has changed, hasn't it? It's not just within the dance sector, but the whole world has had to um, adjust quite quite quickly, I suppose. And, and, and there's, a, there's a new normal, really. Um, I mean, it feels like a long time ago, back since, you know, March or whatever, and when we first, um, you know, went into lockdown, we uh, taking class in our kitchen. And, and as I say, it... it situation has improved um from that one but still it is difficult to, to motivate yourself i think we're so used to this constant um you know as you said to get on stage to be performing consistently uh, to be preparing new work um which is really exhausting to be honest um as a norm as the normal but um i think at first i kind of welcomed a moment to, to have some rest by it and to have a a sense of perspective on how things can change and how you know dancing isn't necessarily the be all and end all um but also it felt like it gave me a fresh motivation almost like uh, the perspective that you'd get or that i've had before with a serious injury when you're kind of forced into stopping for a while and then you you kind of start to address um all these different things like why you do it um what you know what drives you to do it, what what do you love about about it and I think um you know that fresh uh energy and that thought process that maybe you might haven't you might not have gone through for a very long time because it's just constantly dancing constantly performing um is something that means that I do feel in some ways rejuvenated and 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 that what we do um in that what we do is important and and um, also kind of in some ways it gives me confidence to to, to um uh, commit to what we're doing and and uh, have belief and faith in how important it is and you know i've had a lot of feedback from so many people saying how much they miss coming to the theater and watching us perform um and it's you know it's tough for us dancers but i think actually we do offer um our audience quite a lot as well and i'm just hoping to you know be able to connect with them sooner rather than later and you know as you mentioned briefly as well like doing things like films and um and, and a podcast like today is is, is another way of at, at, this, at this strange time still managing to connect with people yes definitely and i can totally relate with you how you know everyone i've spoken to has you know said as you mentioned you know re-establishing that motivation and inspiration and looking at it with fresh eyes, not knowing like, okay, this is hard. Like at the start, you're always like, okay, it might just be two weeks. You know, I'll do my class in my kitchen. It will be fine. And then it just ended up dragging on. And I think that's when everyone kind of you know, re-evaluated everything and went, okay, well, what can I do? How can I find motivation? How can I stay fit and really healthy in my mindset? And that was a really great point that you just brought up. So I'm glad that, you know, I think a lot of people don't think that amazing ballet stars like yourself go through hard times, but I think definitely bringing it to the light of some younger dancers 
uh, will make a lot of people feel better as well. Yeah, of course. So, I know a lot of people probably know how you got started and your whole journey, but for those who don't know, can you tell me a little bit how you did get into dance? Um, so, I kind of was taken to my first ballet class at the age of six. Um, but I think that would probably be cutting the story short a little bit. I think um, from a very young age, I was probably inherently um, a little bit hyperactive, um, a little bit of a show off maybe when I was a kid and loved singing and dancing around. And, you know, maybe it wasn't <laughs> all that good or all that serious, but I think it was something that, uh, you know, came quite, quite naturally in some respects. Uh, and then, I started taking ballet classes when I was six and that was, you know, alongside a lot of other after school activities, whether it was karate or swimming, basketball, all those <laughs> sorts of things. And uh, um, ballet just kind of stuck, really. I don't I don't remember a light bulb moment where it was like, this is it for the rest of my life. Um, but already by the time I was about eight or nine, I was getting very serious about it. I started um, the Royal Ballet Junior Associate Program. And then by the time I was 11, I went off to the Royal Ballet School. Um, so yeah, I was kind of, I was encouraged by my parents who took um, me and my other two siblings to dance classes. But, um, you know, for them, it was a hobby for my sister until she was 16. My brother did it for, I think, one or two classes and said that he'd had enough of that. Thank you very much. Uh, and, you know, like, it's, it's hard to say at that age what really resonates, but um I don't know, it truly did. And there was no um, doubt in my mind that that was kind of, um, you know, what I wanted to pursue. And um, yeah, dive headfirst into, I guess, because leaving home at that age um, wasn't, wasn't the easiest, but um, it was kind of, I had my eyes set on it. Yeah, definitely. I get a lot of questions as well. You brought up like, leaving home at a young age because I know a lot of people who do go to White Lodge um, do sometimes get homesick and anyone I guess in that instance who goes to boarding school do get homesick and how did you deal with it did you get homesick or yeah I mean like those tough moments I remember I remember you know especially at the very beginning very early on it was quite a system really to get um you know, just to get used to that new environment and not have, um, you know, my parents and my family support around me and also, you know, a lot of good friends I had back at home in Liverpool. Uh, but it was also uh, a collection of a lot of like-minded young dancers and, and we made very, uh, you know, good friendships very quickly, I felt like. And the nature of the work, I suppose, was was intensive. So although you know a lot of people do struggle i felt like it, um just getting stuck into, into into the ballet and working really hard meant that you know you went to bed tired and, and didn't stay up worried yes. too much about things and you know there was, there was i mean not to belittle it because there's definitely moments where you know i was i was struggling a little bit and i'd ring home and my mum would do the kind of class like reverse psychology which I think she kind of was desperate for an excuse to come and get me as well but she'd say oh if you're not enjoying it we can come and get you and take you home and, and then as soon as she said that I'd be 
quite definite, definitively <laughs> saying, no, we're not doing that. So fine. Like, you know, it, it, I changed my mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that, that's a good tip. <laughs> <laughs> Was there anything that you had to work on from a young age? Like, I know for me, like, I've always struggled with turnout um was there anything for you like that you've continually had to work on your whole career uh, uh i mean i feel like there's things that have kind of come to my attention at different stages um in my training and career i'm not sure if that's because of just um my perspective or different teachers that i've worked with um or different things that just personally as I've grown that I've kind of noticed or you know decided that that's something I really want to um progress on um I remember quite early on in uh in White Lodge in the Royal Ballet School that my teacher told me that I couldn't jump and that drove me absolutely mad and to this day is like a it's like a passion project of mine to and like um a lot of my training outside of the studio as well is focused on um well not just jump height but also safe like safe jumps and landing and strength and stuff like that as well um and i mean i think that's just something that as well like uh, uh, any audience um or lay person maybe who doesn't know so much about ballet can connect with the idea of someone floating up there in the air and, and staying there for a second and it's the way you know Nijinsky is described and Nureyev or Baryshnikov up all these great dancers it's like to, to me it seems almost like a, an aspect of classical male dancing that kind of needs to be really up there to, to excite and engage with people um, I mean apart, apart from that I definitely have struggled with a lot of other things I feel like um, you know I've been very lucky to have a lot of good training um, over the years and stuff but um I'm not the most uh, naturally flexible dancer, so we've always had to kind of work quite hard to push that and, and things like turnout and feet and things as well. Like I'm not the the most gifted in those aspects either. So, I mean, you know, every, every day is, uh, you know, you're, you're always trying to push those things and everyone has their own things that they focus on. Uh, confront themselves in the mirror or however, however you, you choose to kind of... Uh, to, take class and things um for, for me it's, it's always i mean <laughs> it always feels like it like it can be an uphill battle um and it's it's but it's always uh it's always to have that moment of kind of freedom and forgetting about those things on stage which i think is what's really essential at the heart of it no definitely it's funny because you said like oh i'm working on like my feet my turns like jumps and like for an outsider like hearing that it's like <laughs> that's insane because like I think everyone sees your jumps and your turns and like even your flexibility and it's like just insane like so amazing but I totally understand how you say like ballet is kind of like one of those things it's like a constant a constant struggle to like reach perfection but there's no such thing um so exactly. I, yeah. yeah so it's it's an uphill battle, but so worth it, as you said, for the freedom and and I guess those moments on stage where you just feel so incredible. I mean, definitely, I think like you need to you need to kind of uh, push. If you didn't have those moments where you feel like you're pushing, it wouldn't make the moments uh, you know where you achieve something feel so good as well.
Yeah, oh, totally agree. Um, one last question on kind of your childhood schooling, I guess, path in life. Um, spending over seven years at the Royal Ballet School, how was it when you found out that you got into the company? Uh, wow, like it was, it was, it's a big moment for anyone, I guess. Um, you know, definitely. I think, uh, you know, it's, it's a long call, the Royal Ballet School, to do the, the full eight years it was. And, uh, you know, like I did definitely have memories from it and stuff. Um, but like the kind of lead up into a professional career is, is, is what the focus um, is about. And of course, the school is orientated um, towards the Royal Ballet Company. Um, for me, like I'd just been to audition for the Hamburg uh, Ballet Company because uh, I'd performed uh, uh, John Newmeyer's Yondering the previous year at school. I loved his, uh, loved that work and was keen to kind of maybe give that a shot if, if it didn't work out with the Royal Ballet. And then kind of once I had that um, bargaining chip, if you like, I said, you know, I'm I'm keen to go, and um, uh, is there is there a spot for me in the company, basically? Because otherwise, I I'm going to go to Germany. And <laughs> luckily enough, they did have me in mind, and they had a spot for me. Um, but but the kind of um, the side of that was was quite a, a tough moment for me because this was about January of 2013, um, I believe, yeah. Um, and in March or April, uh, I'd had persistent knee injuries for three or four years on the left knee for kind of on and off. And next thing I had an MRI scan and was told that I needed a, a kind of quite serious knee surgery. So mm. I had my spot with the company, but I had to undergo a, you know, quite a serious kind of knee reconstruction and um as a result rehab for 10 months or something so wow. it, it actually was um there's a lot of doubt doubt around that and and i i couldn't begin my contract with the royal ballet until i was 100 percent fit again or kind of proved that i was gonna be okay um which you know luckily i did and but <laughs> it's still kind of still something that I have to work on very regularly and keep an eye on, but um, it stood me in good stead so far. Yeah, I, I can agree with that. <laughs> and for the injury, how did you, I guess I was going to say deal with it, but dealing with like your kind of mental attitude and thoughts, because I feel like that's a huge part of injuries is dealing with the, the self-doubt. Yeah. I mean, it, it really was, and, um, you know, like, there was other friends of mine who'd got into the company, and they'd begun their professional career, um, you know, and obviously, you know, they were only just beginning in the company, and they weren't doing principal roles or anything, but I saw them on stage performing, and I kind of saw, was uh, very conscious of what I was missing. Yeah. Um, and, and also very conscious of the fact that, you know, um, when you go through a serious uh, injury or surgery, you know, there's, there's a myriad of things there, but you have to really work through every little uh, step interval um, to kind of get back to any form um, that you were previously in. And, and the confidence really takes a hit. Uh, I mean, 
I remember really at the beginning feeling like it was at rock bottom and at least once you're starting to rehab you feel like you're making progress in the right in the right direction uh, I mean it, it took a it took a lot of time and faith but in actual fact I think what it did for me is help develop habits and like I said a perspective um, where I knew where I really knew that I wanted to be doing this um, and for, for, the, for the kind of right reasons at that point and and I actually think I became a better dancer because of it and it also set up you know like I said these habits that you know have in in some ways I think protected me from having another serious injury again um, you know which in this kind of you know seven years well seven and a bit maybe now um, years in the company I haven't had another serious um, injury where I've had a lot of time off or anything or a surgical inter intervention or anything so you know <laughs> I'm hoping that's because of a good work ethic which uh which that moment in my kind of path instilled. Definitely no I think I completely agree and you know everything happens for a reason getting into the more health and fitness type of thing like while you were injured you definitely would have learnt more about your body and you know what was weaker what was stronger but you obviously have an incredible physique for dance and I'm sure you work very hard for it so what is your I guess training regime like? Um, well I mean it can vary quite a lot I suppose I mean with with this current schedule obviously we're a little bit we have a little bit more freedom and time to play with um, with kind of supplementary training we're very lucky here at the World Ballet to have a uh, healthcare department which um, offers all sorts of uh, different things. We have strength and conditioning coaches, um, we have um, Pilates and gyrotonic sessions, um, coaching sessions um, and all that sort of thing as well. More recently like during this lockdown and stuff I've been doing quite a lot of yoga because obviously like restrictions in space and stuff especially when we're working from home um, I found that really valuable for my for my head as well as my body um, kind of building strength and flexibility and also having the a kind of like in, inward journey I would say rather than this kind of need to um, you know perform for everyone out there which is you know in some ways the nature of dance it's about uh, being expressive and um, you know the external and um, what you can show so um, like I've enjoyed that side of things at the minute um, but also as I was talking, talking about the injury I've really relied on um, kind of like a, a pretty uh, routine amount of uh, strength and conditioning coaching as well um, since that time and that you know that can really vary to somewhere probably between like two and four sessions a week predominantly I'm working on my lower body but obviously um, when I find the time and stuff as well I do quite a lot of upper body work and things uh, to, to supplement that um, not just for aesthetic purposes, but so just to feel as as we were as we were talking about earlier, kind of confident on stage, and it's also given me an objective way of working. I think dance is so um, subjective, and in, in that it's all about people. You know, people read people's movement in different ways. Some people like this dancer, some people like another dancer, um, which is the beauty of it. And you know, I really embrace that, but. Being able to work in the gym, you can also set um, goals which are very tangible. So, you know, you know if you're able to squat a certain, you know, however many kilos, and yeah. you can see your progress in that over time, or you can hold a plank for a certain amount of time, or 
um, you know, your cardio can get better and you can, you know, measure how far you went on the rowing machine and, and all these sorts of things. And, and I enjoy setting myself challenges in, in that aspect because I think one of the things I find really interesting about dance in general is that um, kind of dialogue between being an artist and being an athlete. And, um, you know, I think that's something which the dance world has started to um, represent itself better in more recently and something that, you know, kind of more general public is starting to learn more about how how strong we are and how athletic we can be and you know how how well we have to look after our bodies and stuff you know on stage where we're often trying to make things look pleasant and easy um but the other side of that is a hell of a lot a hell of a lot of um, hard work which needs to go into it um you know and i and i enjoy kind of having those moments in the gym um you know maybe it's with a uh, a group of guys who are close friends and we do an upper body training session and stuff like that and it feels like you're um, making good progress together and there's a strong sense of uh, I mean some competition but a kind of healthy sort of competition as well yeah no that's so amazing and I love that you brought up um, artist and athlete because it's so so true and I love that more people are talking about it now and it's just kind of getting out there more because Dancers are so strong, as you said, they have to be, you know, all hard work, but then obviously look like it's so easy and effortless, which we all know that it's not exactly effortless. <laughs> so you said about yoga at the start, and I find that quite surprising because I know so many people focus on more, you know, as you said, strength and cardio mainly, but yoga is so incredible because as well, it's that inner journey of the mind and you know the whole headspace which is so important um and would you say that's like a form of self-care for yourself um do you do it to wind down or do you purely do it as like i guess a fitness type of thing being totally candid about it i find it quite spiritual in a way and um it's a type of um movement style and stuff which um you know obviously you're pushing yourself to the limit sometimes with it and it's not necessarily always easy um but you know it's not about being in front of a mirror and judging the height of the leg um or or this or that and you know almost all of it is geared towards um kind of restorative energies and, and all that sort of thing so the like the practice itself feels like um, yeah, it's like taking care of yourself and moving with um, a lot of stillness, move, um, with a lot of purity and simplicity and, you know, all these amazing things about ballet, you know, like turn out like the jumps, I mean, like, like um, you know, having to do turns, like at the end of the day, your body can only keep pace with that sort of thing for a limited amount of time. So, you know, these sort of practices, which, um, you know, some people might dismiss as wishy-washy or not be certain about the value, um, I think kind of actually hone in on a lot of elements, which is it's, it's like an active recovery for the body where, um, you know, you're still working, but you're actually setting up some really good um, habits and um, releasing a lot of tensions that build up practices that have um you know more dynamic and things but actually might in, in, in some senses be damaging the body 
um, and and that um, also like we, we were saying that internal journey, the the of the mind, the um, sensation of um, you know really trying to stay with the breath um, and not let the mind drift into into other things is something that's so applicable to ballet, and and at the end of the day, all movement because um, you know all movement does stem from up here somewhere and the more the more we can control that i honestly believe the more um you'll be able to control everything downstairs too yes oh i love that point you brought up i actually i've just been reading this book uh by joe dispenser about like breaking the habit of being yourself and he talks all about the mind and how it it really controls i guess everything around you as well as you know your body and do you do anything like meditation therapy or I guess like anything more spiritual? Yeah, I, you know, I'm not, not super consistent. Though I've had moments, um, you know, particularly during lock, like um, the kind of full lockdown um, where I was meditating at least once a day. Um, and I find that really, really valuable and it's something that I really am trying to stick to as well. I mean, I have days that I might, slip on or, or kind of miss it and things but um and it can be very up and down as a practice um like like our heads are in the first place anyway you know the, the emotions can really drive us in in different ways and your circumstances the time of day all that sort of thing you know can obviously really affect it but sometimes i find um that it gives me a release and a kind of uh a, you know a reset to my thinking um, you know my attitude well, it makes me feel more positive and optimistic and all that sort of thing and it's you know it's something that's very individual so I'm you know I'm, I'm not um, entirely sure myself of what the right um, thing to do is all the time necessarily um, and that's something that I'm playing with all the time and trying to trying to find out myself um, but I'd, I would encourage um, you know as many people as possible to do that I think you know, it, it can be um, the beginning to solving a lot of problems, um, you know, within within yourself. Um, and, and it really does address, you know, <laughs> primarily your outlook on, on everything. Yes. It's, know, it's, it's, at the centre of, you know, how we... Yeah, yeah, no, I completely agree. And it's a real, as you said, journey of yourself and your spiritual growth. And yeah, it's something like, need to work out on your own i guess kind of going back to the health and fitness side of things i really love those points you made about meditation and i guess that's a really great way you stay calm and i guess just check in with yourself but going back to health and fitness do you have any specific diet or i guess foods that you really try and push like more protein or are you pretty pretty easy with that type of thing like i mean i think in general as a person i'm not the most meticulous in terms of planning um so i mean you know i i, I work hard and stuff and and always want to get the most out of myself every day but i'm not the sort of person to kind of plan my week ahead like oh next next friday coming i'm gonna do a big um you know workout that day and I'm gonna 
eat this and that afterwards uh, mm. but I do try and be mindful of you know what I'm doing and what I'm putting into my body definitely um so you know I think obviously there's uh key thing you know you, you can't miss from your diet and you know like like everything else that we've been talking about I think the most important thing really is balance um definitely if I'm working out a lot if I'm uh, doing kind of um some he- like volume or something to kind of um, work on strengthening particular muscles and things then I'll definitely maybe focus or be sure to get um, a good amount of protein in me um, but then also like equally I would I'd be keen to not skip carbohydrates because you know that's also so important to replenish and you don't want to come back feeling um, like the next day like you can't work which is one of the one of the challenges I suppose of being a dancer if even though we're sub- um, you know the, the the science is changing the kind of dance culture is changing its attitude towards um you know people people doing different sorts of exercise we still need to be able to go into the studio the next day or or, or on stage and there's still probably someone to impress and you're still always yeah. try, trying to look your best um and that sort of thing so um you know i think it's uh you know it can be a, a dangerous game if people start to kind of cut back too much on, on one thing or another um, yeah like I say in general like sometimes more recently I've been trying to cut back a little bit on meat more for kind of uh, environmental concerns and all that sort of thing as well but um, obviously protein is a key aspect of um, recovery and particularly for the muscles um, and things like that uh, you know like again I think it's a bit it can be a bit of a learning curve uh, there's a there's a few like ritual meals that I sometimes like to have, especially before shows. I always go to have like a go to with, um, you know, like have a quite a big like pasta meal or something like that before shows, um, <laughs> which I think is probably more of a psychological kind of um, makes me feel like I've definitely got enough energy. Um, yeah. And uh, definitely recommend kind of uh, isotonic drinks and taking electrolytes whilst performing. <coughs> Excuse me um you know having some sort of sugar if you're doing the long performance as well with stamina and things like that uh but again like it's uh you know i don't, I don't think it's an exact science in terms of um something that might work for everyone uh, you need to you need to still be finding your own you know your own path with that as, as well and and it's, it's a hard one in the dance community like I was recently watching um, a documentary which was produced on BBC um, about um, a famous British cricket player um, a man who suffered with bulimia for his whole career um, and you know I think often a lot of these stereotypes and cliches of who can be suffering from eating disorders and all that sort of thing can um, be quite damaging in some respects because I think at the end of the day uh, as, a, as a as an art form dance is obviously so focused on the aesthetic elements and we all have certain ticks or things that we aren't sure about or don't like about our own bodies um, and you know if I think at the end of the day um, it's the obsessive nature of some things that can get quite damaging and, and that's what I try and avoid yeah no that's it's so true and I feel like as you said the cricket player 
Um, I feel like in dance, it's especially a lot of people think, oh, dancers must like have really bad eating habits and all of this stuff. But, you know, I feel like a lot of people don't realize it's not just dancers and it's not just athletes. Like as, as the world of a whole, like we all need to care for each other and be, you know, be open to talk about it more um, because it's not just ballet dancers and dancers in general, you know, the whole, the whole world has their own problems as well. So how do you feel about balancing your work and social life? Do you find it hard? Yeah, I mean, it, can, it definitely can be hard. I think um, dancers um, can be quite an insular world um, and the, you know, the nature of the job probably talking more about how things uh, used to be. I'm not, it's, it's, it's slightly, slightly different, I suppose, still at the moment. Yeah. Um, but kind of like, you know, go, going in, you know, not super early in the morning, but you, you start early in the morning and you're often performing until late at night and to meet people from outside the dance world can, um, you know, f to have that opportunity can, can sometimes be quite rare. Um, and then even more so to kind of keep those friends to keep investing in them and um, keep finding new people um, to meet and stuff like I mean obviously I have a very tight um, group of friends within the company um, and you know I think there is an amazing connection that you develop with people that you get to share moments um, on stage with and you know where you're really in quite a um, vulnerable state in, in one respect but also you know there's a lot of emotions are running high and um, yes. it's also a lot of incredible memories that, that are made at those in those moments so I'm very grateful to, to have like a lot of those people around me um, but also like I do try and you know stay curious and other things and talk to other people outside of dance when I can and um, uh, you know make make connections and, and, and be open to just hearing other people's uh, kind of experiences and 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 like I think that's definitely something that maybe uh, the, the the career of a dancer but also like kind of the training as well like you know I, like like we talked about leaving home at the age of 11 you know I didn't keep in touch um, with many people from uh, my old you know my my old school back in Liverpool, you know, and kind of understandably, you know, I was living in London and I wasn't, I wasn't home all that often, but uh, at least this uh, lockdown experience as well as started to teach me is that, you know, everyone comes from a totally different set of experiences and, you know, maybe we're used to dancers and, and their experiences, but um, I've really enjoyed these days kind of getting to know my neighbours better or maybe even occasionally talking to people on the street which um yeah. or you know they bump into in the park and things which isn't really the norm in london <laughs> um yeah getting to, getting to talk to the dog people but i think people have started to open up in some ways or have you know uh, there's, there's a shared um sense of god what's going on but also people uh you know looking to make connections and things like that and uh you know, I'm really, I'm really open to that, and and, and try and stay open to it because, as I say, it's uh, it's not, it's not the easiest thing in in this in this dance world. You know, we're very focused individuals, and um, you know, it does take effort. Um, and 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 another set of 
another type of focus as opposed to kind of invest in other relationships outside of it. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I know myself as well during this time, even just like having the extra time and, you know, reaching out to people who maybe like I didn't have time to and, you know, calling people who like you used to know and just getting in touch, I think, has brought everyone a bit closer together because we're all sharing this same uncertainty and just not knowing what's happening in the world type of energy. Yeah. Going back again a little bit, but you were 24 when you were promoted to principal, is that right? Yeah. That, that is so young and so incredible. But I have to ask, I heard before we were talking about, you know, fitness and health type of thing, and you were very, you're very goal orientated, I think. And did you have any, you know, career goals as in, I guess, milestones? Um, you know, like I think I was quite ambitious um, in some respects. Um, but it was, you know, I was, I was lucky really in, in terms of the timing of, of, um, of my career in, in a, in a lot of respects. Um, you know, like I'd, obviously when you're, you know, grown up, you watch dancers ahead of you and, you know, there's certain goals or people that you try and emulate and all that sort of thing. But I didn't, I didn't quite know how things would turn out for me. Um, you know, we I actually joined the year after um, our current director joined, so it was still a kind of change changeover period right. in some respect with the with, with the Royal Ballet Company. Um, and luckily enough, um, you know, Kevin O'Hag, um, our director, did um, get behind me and and felt like um, you know, obviously believed in believed in me and. You know, it wasn't like it was uh, like just plain sailing. I would say, um, which which the, which the kind of numbers can make it seem like because because I managed to make it to principal at twenty four and but I was kind of promoted. <laughs> but I didn't I didn't have like a, I didn't have a I didn't have an age in mind. But I definitely kind of wanted to get there as quickly as possible. I guess um, and 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 make the most of it you know it's a it's a short career and mm. um you know we you know say we dance a ballet like swan lake or giselle and you know maybe we only do three shows of it um in the in the run so you know it's it's even even if you get um you know the opportunity to perform that ballet comes back three or four times in in, in your career it's still only really a handful of times that you get to interpret the role and, and, and that sort of thing is what really excites um you know that continued process um with, with, the, with the work with the character um and it's uh you know I, I, I didn't feel like um there was a lot I had to learn um definitely but I did feel quite confident about being um ready to prove myself yeah. And ready to put myself into situations, um, you know, where I could, where I could, uh, you know, show them that I, that I was ready, that I was mature enough to be, um, you know, not to be perfect, but to be exploring these kind yeah. of things and, and, and pushing myself into it. And and I, and I think it worked out, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, I think it's worked out. Um, so 
you must obviously be good under pressure and good with dealing with stress because I was reading an article and you were called on to do Giselle with Natalia Osipova taking David Horberg's position. That is literally insane. Can you tell me how you stayed calm, how you just dealt with that? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it was quite a moment, um, I have to say. Uh, so, yeah, so I mean, like I'd made my debut in, as Albrecht and Giselle the week before. So I'd only, I was kind of me and Yasmin Nagdi, um, who's another principal with the company. We'd, we'd often made a lot of debuts together um, in various ballets, Romeo and Juliet and Nutcracker, Sleeping Beauty. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we, you know, we've set up quite a strong partnership together over the years in some respects. And we've been lucky enough to kind of grow together as well. Which has been really exciting, and and I think both of us were very excited to, have, uh, you know, just had the opportunity to do Giselle, um, as well. And it was only the one show though. We were the kind of most, um, we were the youngest cast, so you know we only, um, our director was keen to get us on, but there wasn't enough shows to give us loads so um we we got on but then it was kind of like okay done and and dusted that was an amazing experience can't wait to do it next time um so yeah i remember i remember that day i was actually training really hard in the gym and i'd been doing like quite a lot of um weights and um doing like a leg workout and all that sort of thing and i'd got home and was just preparing my dinner and then i got a phone call from from kevin um I like looked at my phone and was like, that's unusual uh, oh, no. this time. You know, it's kind of 8pm or something. Uh, and he goes, um, you know, David to himself, can you get back to the building? And I, and, I, and, and I remember, you know, just asking, oh, um, am I just kind of going to be on standby because he's not feeling great? Um, and he was like, no, no, I think you're going to go on. Um, I think Act One hadn't even gone down yet. Oh no! Because <laughs> um, he'd, he'd hurt himself in his solo during Act One for one of the jumps or something. And I mean, this was a really big show. This was the first time those two who have you know quite a celebrated partnership were performing together again since David had had a very serious injury, yes. um, which he'd rehabbed in Australia and stuff, and, and yeah. put a lot of hard work into. Um, so yeah, I mean, I just jumped in a taxi and went over the choreography in the back seat, and you know, I, I I got there, and I mean, I mean, it's hard to remember exactly how the pressure felt and stuff. Yes. Um, but it but it was also, it was one of those moments where it's kind of sink or swim, and yeah. you know, the the inevitability hit, and it was just going to happen, and I was just going to do my best, and even in some respects, just saving a show like that, just turning up is actually, um, you know, the audience kind of, in, I feel like in some respects might be disappointed, but also they enjoy the drama of it and, and the fact that you can just save the day in a way. Um, I like to think that I did a little bit more than just save the day and, and it was, it felt like a quite a good show to me. I mean, we only had like five or ten minutes before the curtain went up on act two to make sure we were doing the same version um me and natalia but um you know she was so gracious and i've danced a few 
roles with her um, in in modern creations and Swan Lake and stuff as well. Um, and she's an amazing energy to be on stage with, and I, I really feel like she got me got me through it in a lot of respects. And, and at the end of the show, you know, she pushed me forward to take a bow on my own and everything. And it was, I mean, it was yeah, <laughs> very 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 magical memory kind of thing. And I think. Um, Obviously, I'd already had quite a lot of big opportunities within the company, but I think that cemented um, a trust, I suppose, in my work to, some, to, to some degree. Yeah. Like I, I, think, I think then uh, people believe in, believe in your capacity. Um, as a dancer, if you can pull it out of thin air like that. Yes. Yeah, and I was reading over some of the reviews, and I mean, you definitely did more than just save the day. You obviously killed it. Absolutely amazing. So, so that would have been definitely a monumental moment for you. And I guess, Kevin, I guess being super proud that, you know, you're, you're doing something right. <laughs> okay. So I have one, I have two more questions for you. And one is, would you consider the ballet community more competitive or supportive? Yeah, I mean, it can be a mixture of things, can't it? And I think like, you know, it depends what environment you're in. And, you know, I've been in environments where, you know, if you walk into an audition, it, it definitely feels pretty competitive and everyone's <laughs> kind of trying to eye each other up. But I think, um, also, like the, there is a um, community aspect of dance, um, which is so 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 powerful, really. And I mean, maybe it's not always there, um, particularly for male dancers in in traditional ballets. But um, you know, being part of things like Matthew Bunt Swan Lake and experiencing um, you know being those group of male swans on stage, which I know is kind of the norm, maybe for the girls. Um, you do feel like you're at the, the the heart of something very kind of you lose yourself a little bit and the the, the collective energy um, is is something you know very tangible and very powerful and also um, you know, feeling like at the end of the performance that you know you were a part of a kind of larger whole I suppose and at the end of the day when we um, you know, when we put on shows, even if you're the principal dancer in a work, it took, um, you know, it took a lot of rehearsals um, with the ballet masters. There was pianists playing every single note at the piano. There's technical crew lighting it, um, changing the set. It's such a um, kind of big endeavor for so many people that I think, like, that should be really celebrated. Um, and I don't, know, I, I don't know if this is just my experience, but I think within the Royal Ballet um, at the moment, you know, as I said with um, Kevin, I was lucky to be at the right time because there was really a generational shift within the company. Um, and there's a lot of people who I knew from school and was close friends with um, who are, you know, now colleagues. And, um, you know, I think although everyone wants have their big opportunity and dance and, and you know that's a you know a difficult thing to make happen um within a large company there is a lot of um, support around and you know um performing 
last night there was um you know a tremendous amount of positivity surrounding it even though it's very very unusual circumstances and it was um the first and last performance with a with a live audience that we'll have for for a while um but you know there was dancers who went on performing that night who were in the wings rooting for us and and even though you know we have to be socially distanced and wear masks and stuff like people you know, would be watching on TV or, um, you know, making sure to, to get a photo of people in their costume to remember it. And, um, I do, you know, I do really feel uh, quite lucky to be part of that kind of, that family, that group of, that group of dancers um, who, who can kind of compete with one another and, and in often, uh, often in some cases kind of make one another better by by being uh, you know great individuals on their own but, but at the end of the day it's what we do as a collective that's most um the most powerful yes no that's so beautiful as well how you were saying you know backstage taking photos and you know just that that beautiful support of everyone coming together and you know as we said earlier like, I feel like everyone's sharing that same energy of kind of uncertainty and it really, I think it is bringing all of us together a little more. Yeah, I think so. To round up this podcast, Matt, I have enjoyed every minute of it and you are so inspiring and motivating and I think everyone who's listening right now will absolutely love this. But what is one last piece of advice you would give to anyone out there who is wanting to achieve more and push their boundaries? Um, you know, I always say is that, um, I think that people just should really um, believe in the process um, as as the kind of essential component. You know, I think, you know, you maybe touched on it slightly, that, that maybe people's expectation is that, um, you know, a principal dancer, they might, um, you know, have total, confidence and then um you know not not even a, a moment of self-doubt or um all, all that sort of thing but in actual fact you know um you know i was performing last night on stage and you know i gave my all and i felt like i had quite a good show um but you know today i have to address different things and i don't feel like you can um rest on your laurels and of course it's important to find moments of um to relax to to recover to ref- reflect but also at the same time just to kind of uh find something else that that that's like the floaty boat you know there's something that kind of still excites you and 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 often that might might be outside of the world of dance you know like like these different journeys that we've we've touched upon like uh, meditation like yoga um you know all these different um practices and aspects which can kind of um rejuvenate you and, and and help you to feel um you know you're not stuck in one place because I think the second that you feel like you've arrived is um kind of the most boring <laughs> the most boring moment you could possibly <laughs> reach um you know like like we said we're all chasing for this uh idea of perfection but an actual fact uh you know good luck because you because you're not going to reach it um and even if you even if you can reach it for a second for a second it's not sustainable no so i think you know um a focus on being an individual um what your what your own skills are um what you can um make out of those skills and what you can add to them 
is um it's just uh, a constant process and sometimes it's an uphill battle sometimes it's downhill but just being conscious of that and um continuing to push it I think is the most important thing amazing advice Matt that is honestly so beautiful and I completely agree with literally everything you've said and it's it's just amazing to hear it from someone who is so successful like yourself thank you very much Thank you so much, Matt, for coming on this podcast. I have had the best time talking to you. And yeah, I really hope you enjoyed it as well. No, my pleasure. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. No, it's great to you know, reflect. And, and um, it is a moment, isn't it, where we're, we're able to connect with some, uh, some people that we might not otherwise be uh, connecting with. So I find that really exciting as well. Okay, guys, that is it with the podcast with Matthew Ball today. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and listening. He is so, so inspiring. And please don't forget to check out his Instagram at Matty underscore ball. And guys, don't forget to follow at SportiveAF on Instagram as well, as we will be posting weekly updates of guests, of topic ideas, and asking you guys who you want on next. Okay, guys, that is it for today. I really, really hope you enjoyed. Lots and lots of love from Audrey.